uh, back when my son was in college, he was learning to, to play guitar, teaching himself to play guitar, and he had this idea that he could write songs. He just knew in his mind that these were songs he, he wanted to, to write, and he said, Dad, would you teach me music theory? And, and I know some about music theory, and so I said, sure. It was a great time for us to do that. And, and so one entire fall, uh, especially, I was, I was teaching him about, about scales and keys and chords and chord progressions and how all those things work together. And, and uh, you know, it really paid off because he became a, pretty, a very proficient songwriter. Uh, he's already produced one album of his, his songs and is uh, working on a second one. And so I think that when we learn the basics of something, it pays off for us down the road. Uh, and that's why today we are continuing our series, The Absolute Basics of the Christian Faith. And I have two goals for us in this series, uh, two ways that I hope that this pays off for all of you. One is that we're going to become solid in knowing these, basi these basics. They're going to become a foundation of our lives so that we thrive in our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. And the second is that we are going to know them well enough that we are going to be able to talk about them. We're, go we're going to be so solid in them, um, established in them, that, that as conversations come up, that even with people who don't share our faith, we'll be able to contribute to that conversation. Uh, last Sunday, we took on the question of what is God like? And uh, if you missed that message, you can uh, watch it uh, online from our website or our app. Uh, we also learned last Sunday that, that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-good. But that also creates a problem because we look at the world the way it is and all the mess that the world is and we say, well, why doesn't an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-good God fix it? You know, we have all these mass shootings and we, we've had so many we can't keep count of them. According to one survey, 86% of college students admitted to cheating. Uh, some even hire a service to take an online class for them. I didn't even know that was a thing, that you could do that. Uh, a, a few of you uh, have received emails or text messages from me, someone pretending to be me, uh, saying, you know, there's an emergency, and, and will you uh, send me money or send, send these uh, gift cards uh, for some, somebody who needs it, some emergency? And I say, that's not me. That is someone pretending and if you get something like that, just delete it. But you know, that's the world we live in, isn't it? So today's message simply asks, why is there evil? Why is there evil in this world? We live in a, a world where pretty much everybody believes that some things are right and some things are wrong. Even my atheist friend, uh, who may believe that, that religion is what is wrong with this world, but then I think, why does my atheist friend think anything is wrong? I mean, if we're all just some sort of cosmic accident, then there is really no good or evil, is there? There's no right or wrong. But if I go and I steal a package off of his porch, he's going to be mad at me about it. Not only that, he's going to think and say that what I did was wrong. 
And the, the fact that, that we can identify that as wrong or bad tells us something important. This is the first thing I, I want to say today. Our ability to recognize good and evil is a clue written inside us pointing to God. Have you thought about that before? Our ability to recognize that some things are good, some things are evil, is like a clue written on our souls, pointing us to God. Uh, you see, good and evil only exist in a world where there's a God. And if there is no God, then you might as well cheat on your test and cheat on your taxes and cheat on your spouse because if there is no God, then morality isn't real. It's just something that somebody made up. But the fact is that we humans are incurably moral creatures. I mean, we talk all the time about, well, she shouldn't have done that. And he ought to do that. Those are moral statements. And yet it's also true that none of us live up to the morality that we say we believe in. Isn't that kind of crazy? We don't live up to it. We say we talk a good talk, but we don't live up to it all the time. Why is that? Well, let's open our Bibles again to, uh, to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to look at uh, verses 16 and 17 specifically. In the Pew Bible, you'll see it on page 3. And just so you know, uh, we always have Bibles to give away here. So if you don't have a Bible at home to read, or maybe the only one that you have is King James written in 1611 or something, then we want to help you out. Just head uh, across to the other side of the foyer. You'll find the Connection Center next to the elevator. And there are some Bibles, a roll rack of them. Just grab one. They're free. You can have it. Okay, so in verses 16 and 17, God has put a human in the Garden of Eden. And here's what it says. And, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. So God gave us the gift of life, but that gift comes with a restriction. And that restriction means that we have a choice. Um, each week in our faith groups uh, that are going through this, you're going to get to see two videos, uh, two short videos that go along with this Absolute basic series. And we are going to watch a clip from one of those videos now. So let's watch. Okay, so Cinderella is given an opportunity to go to the ball, and that means she has a choice to make. She can either go to the ball, uh, and she can either stay home, or she can attend the ball knowing that the magic is going to end at midnight. And God has given us life, and with it comes a choice. We can either trust God, and trust that God knows what's best for us, or we can decide that, yeah, I, I pretty much know better than God what's best for me. You know, the picture of the Garden of Eden is of, as one of abundance, right? All these trees and the luscious fruits, uh, there's always plenty in paradise. You know, if I were creating uh, a paradise, 
I would make it always peach season. Don't you think? Wouldn't that be great? All year long, fresh, beautiful, juicy peaches were in season. That would make it peachy, right? All right. And, and with all of that abundance, God gives just one prohibition. Don't eat from the true fruit of this one tree, because if you do, the effects are going to be deadly. And this one tree represents choice. Only when we are faced with something that's forbidden do we truly even have choice, right? I mean, without that one tree you're not supposed to go to, you don't really have any choice at all. Uh, in Genesis 3, the man and the woman, they, of course, they, they choose to eat the fruit from the forbidden tree. In the theology, we call this the fall. The fall into sin. The fall out of relationship with God. And sin becomes like a moral virus, like a, like a spiritual defect that gets passed on to, to essentially all humanity. We are natural-born sinners who violate not only God's standards, but even our own standards of righteousness. So, why is there evil in this world? Well, at the most funda fundamental level, it's because we choose it. Each of us do. We, we've chosen it. We, we choose it today. And sometimes, though, we get so addicted to, uh, to doing what is wrong and evil and forbidden that, that we, we're not even making a conscious choice of it anymore. Sometimes we just do it automatically. Fortunately, though, the, the grace of God never quits. And the grace of God is work in every person's heart and mind uh, so that many times we still do have the opportunity, the ability to make a free choice. Now, there's another element in this story in Genesis that we didn't get to in this particular reading in chapter 2. And we find it in chapter 3. So if, you'll, if you still have your Bible open, skip down to uh, the first verse of chapter 3. That's uh, on the same page of the Pew Bible. Um, it says this. Now the serpent was more what? Say the next word with me. Was more crafty than any of the uh, wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So not only do we have a forbidden tree in paradise representing choice, we also have an enemy questioning God's goodness and, and, and making the wrong choice more attractive. Now the word serpent here can also be translated snake, same thing. Uh, but I'm intrigued by the word crafty. Crafty. I don't think it means that the serpent was good at weaving hand baskets or something like that. Uh, you could also translate it scheming. Scheming. And why a snake? Well, it might have been a literal snake, but if it was, I'm surprised the woman didn't say, Hey, Adam, look, a talking snake. <laughs> If the snake was symbolic of, of a lying, scheming presence of some kind trying to lead the humans astray, then I think a snake was a good choice because snakes, even back in ancient uh, Near East, uh, were, were commonly viewed as the nemesis of humans. But the question I want to know is, what is this lying, scheming creature doing in paradise? And the answer is, I don't know. 
He doesn't say. Apparently, there's some backstory to Genesis that's not given to us. Now, the New Testament tells us that this crafty serpent is Satan. But, but we still know virtually nothing about Satan's origins. Uh, the, the traditional view that, that Satan is a fallen angel is, I think, as good of explanation as any, but I'm not really sure. The, the serpent lured the couple into sin, but it was still their choice. And God held them responsible for their choice. They had to face the consequences of their choice. And, and here's what I want to say. This is kind of the big summary today. That choice of whether to live in harmony with God or in defiance of God is part of being human. Will you say that with me? That choice of whether to live in harmony with God or in defiance of God is part of being human. Uh, earlier this year, Trish and I uh, watched a movie called The Giver with Meryl Streep, Jeff Bridges. Anybody here ever seen it or read the book? Yeah, a few of you. Uh, anyway, it's about a society that has decided that, that free will is just too dangerous. I mean, look at all of the, the misery and pain that it has caused. So they decide they're going to get rid of free will, take it away, and everybody gets a daily injection which makes them compliant uh, easily managed by the elders of the community. So in, the, in this uh, uh, community, your career is chosen for you. Your mate is chosen for you. Your children are chosen for you. Even the day of your death is chosen for you. All choice is removed, so, and, and as a result, there's no love, no romance, no beauty, no art. No wonder their world is all black and white to them. They can't even see in color. You know, I really like this movie, The Giver, because it made it clear to me that free will is a big part of what makes life worth living. Choice is, what, is, is part of what it means to be human. I know those of you who get the uh, email prayer chain when there's a need that comes out, uh, you may have seen this week that a member of our church, Barbara Bounds, her brother uh, was fatally shot uh, at his restaurant in Garden City, Kansas. Uh, uh, Ernie Ortiz was a leader in that church. Uh, his funeral was yesterday, and it was conducted by the pastor who happens to be a, a good friend of mine. And... Uh, when things, when things like this happen, you know, sometimes I, I ask God why he gave us free choice, why he gave us free will if this is what we're going to do with it. Surely God knew how dangerous it was going to be. And the answer, according to Genesis, is that, yeah, free will is a dangerous gift, but without it, we wouldn't be human. Without choice, we wouldn't have the ability to love God or to love each other. Without choice, the beauty of a sunset would go completely unnoticed. 
without choice, we wouldn't be able to create things. We wouldn't be able to help each other. We wouldn't be able to create music and art. So God knew the risk, and God decided it was worth it. But the Bible also says that evil is not the end of the story. Evil is not the end of the story. I'd like to share with you an illustration that uh, was created by a guy named James Chown. Uh, I borrowed a, uh, a bunch of what I'm going to share with you from a YouTube video where he goes through this. He's also written a book about it. Uh, and in his video, he draws these four circles and he tells the story that goes with it. So I'm going to put up here the first uh, circle on the screen. Uh, and we ask, well, what is the world like that we live in? You know, you check the news and you find it's, it's mostly bad news. There's a lot of shootings and there's war and there's climate change and there's, you know, political upheaval, uh, racial hostility. I mean, the world that we live in is a pretty messed up place, right? And we don't like that it's messed up. We all long and ache for a better world. And that's an interesting thing because why do we long and ache for a better world? It's like we expect that it should be that way. It's like when we, we hunger for food because food is real. It exists. We, we, we need it. We, we thirst for water because water is real. We, we, we want it. We need it. And also, our longing for a better world points to the idea that either a better world once existed or someday will exist. Um, according to the Christian worldview, a better world one day did exist. You know, when God first designed it, this planet took care of us, and we took care of it, and God took care of us, and we took care of each other, and we blessed God back. And the whole thing was, I don't know if you can read the, the script there above that left circle, but it says, designed for good. It was designed for good. So how did we get to the circle on the right? Well, we decided that, hey, we're going to run the show our way. We're going to do what we want. And we started chasing after our own needs and being selfish and putting caring for others, uh, other needs, and, you know, uh, off to the side and caring for one another and the planet. And as a result, we started damaging the planet, damaging our relationships with each other, and ultimately damaging our relationship with God. So the whole thing on the circle on the right means that we are damaged by evil, designed for good, damaged by evil. Fortunately, God loves us too much to leave us there and loves this planet that he made too much to leave us there. So even though we are stuck in our brokenness, God came to us in Jesus. And so now we introduce a third circle. Jesus taught us a better way to live. And he told us about the reign of God. What is the reign of God? The reign of God is where all the good stuff that was supposed to happen, designed to happen, actually does happen. Um, so when Jesus died, he took all of the junk and misery of our sin uh, with him. He, he bore that curse. And when he rose from the dead, he made new life possible. New life for us 
in our relationships, for our planet. And so the third circle above it, it says, restored for better, designed for good, damaged by evil, restored for better. So what's our response to that? Well, the world's still messed up. We know that. But Jesus is leading a revolution and he is asking us to be a part of that revolution. He's asking us to, to, to receive the healing of our souls, to become his new creation, even in this life, and to bring healing out into the world, healing to one another, and to bring healing to our planet. And so our, we are a people on mission. It says we are sent together to heal. So those are the four circles, designed for good, damaged by evil, restored for better, sent together to heal. Well, somebody might ask, well, why can't I just jump from damaged by evil and skip Jesus and go directly to sent together to heal? Well, I would say the answer is that without Jesus, the problems of this world are just going to be too big and too many for us to handle on our own. We need what only Jesus can give us. He makes it possible for us to become the kind of good we want to see in this world. Jesus makes it possible for us to become the kind of good that we want to see in this world. So, you look at those four circles, which one are you in? How do you see the world today? Are you in the top left one, designed for good, and hey, you know, everything is peachy in paradise? Or, or maybe you're in the top right one, you know, damaged by evil, and, and all we have to look forward to is some, you know, terrible planet catastrophe. The world's a big mess, and there's no answer for it. Are you in the lower right one where, where Jesus has come to restore for good and we have embraced him by faith and, and we are part of what he is healing in this broken world? Or are you in the lower left one where you say, okay, Jesus, you've begun something of it. I want to be a part of the people that you have sent together to heal. I want to be on mission with you and what you are doing to bring the reign of God into this world today. So, what circle are you in? What, what circle do you believe in? The choice is yours. What will be your choice? Let's pray. Oh, Lord God. We thank you for this uh, great story that we are a part of. And this, this scripture story about how you designed everything for good, but then it quickly became broken and damaged. And so did we. Oh, Lord, you know that we are so often messed up people, confused, pushed around by the circumstances. 
Lord, we become victims of each other and victims of our own choices sometimes. And we ask that you will restore us. Put our lives in a better place. Transform us. Change us, Lord. And while you're doing that, use us, that we can be a part of the answer to the world's problems and less a part of contributing to the problems. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have expressed God's love to us so thoroughly and completely. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.